Ahoy everyone, I'm TB, the voice behind Voyagers Under Sail. This is the audio journal number 23, and today is Thursday, September 27th, 2018. Uh, we've been out in the Atlantic Ocean for uh, five days. We left Rabat on Sunday afternoon, around half past four, on our sailboat, Covadis, and uh, we've been sailing towards Gran Canaria in the Canary Islands uh, ever since. We are about 75 miles away, 80 miles, uh, 80 miles away from uh, Gran Canaria. Um, we haven't stopped anywhere, it's just a long six-day leg of our journey. <laughs> it's funny, and I'm sorry to say it, but we were in a rush to leave Morocco. Um, it was a nice experience, I recommend to anyone to visit Morocco, and probably I'll go into deeper details later. But after being in the country for 16 days, being on the road for almost two weeks, we were glad to be back to the boat, get ready and uh, leave for our next uh, adventure. Uh, we almost grew tired of uh, Morocco by, by the end of it. So, uh, no, no, it was a Saturday we left. Yeah. We left on a Saturday, sorry, not Sunday. We left on Saturday afternoon, yeah. We arrived at the boat on Thursday evening. On Friday I returned the car and uh, we did some uh, provisioning and cleaning of the boat. And on Saturday morning I did prepare the boat, filled up the tank, uh, make the payment to the marina. Uh, for, for our 38-feet boat, which is just less than 12 meters, for 16 nights we paid less than 280 euro for the whole 16 days, which is uh, cheap, I'd say, it's about 17 euro a night. And that included the electricity and the water, very good uh, security, uh, being uh, piloted to the marina by the pilot boat and out that was like free of charge so I'd say that was a very uh, you know that marina marina in Rabat marina Saleh it's um, I really recommend it as a base for exploring um, Morocco if you arrive by sailboat um, it's difficult to get in and difficult to get out because you depend on the high tide and uh, also you depend on uh, not having a big swell coming from the north northwest uh, but if you are willing to wait or put up with this inconvenience, inconveniences, then you are in a really safe, clean um, marina. Okay. Um, we filled up the tank with uh, diesel. It took only 84 liters of diesel. Um, that was the diesel that we burned from Gibraltar to Rabat, um, which is a bit shameful. 
what uh, was the situation? We need to run the engine uh, at that time. Now, as I said, we left on Saturday uh, afternoon uh, because in the morning uh, there was a very heavy fog over the sea, and the fog was rolling from the sea into up the up the river into the city. So uh, I was speaking to a catamaran who arrived around lunchtime, and he said the visibility was about. 80 meters at best uh, out there. So I informed the authorities that we'll wait to see if the weather clears and as soon as the weather cleared because there was still high tide, high water, uh, we rushed to the uh, filling pontoon, we did the checkout uh, papers, uh, formalities and in the, I'd say, less than an hour we were in the channel being led by the pilot boat. We didn't have uh, we had you know a little bit of wind from the from the front uh, from the bow for the first day almost and then the winds were pretty light so we sailed and motor sailed again and motor again uh, the swell was really choppy in the first day and it was really uncomfortable like everything was flying around the boat. If something wasn't in place, uh, it did find a place <laughs> soon enough. Um, Claudia got seasick. She didn't throw up because uh, she didn't eat much. But uh, for almost uh, like a day and a half, she didn't move. She just was lying around. I had to do the cooking and uh, everything else around the boat. Uh, Theodora and David were not really seasick, but they couldn't stand, they they didn't throw up, but they just uh, would eat and then lie down and all of that. So I was the only person who wasn't seasick on the boat and uh, thanks to the autopilot, um, I was able to take care of, uh, of everything. I would only ask Claudia for help if I was uh, putting some sails up, so I would ask her to uh, take the helm for a few minutes until I put the cells up or keep an eye on me to make sure that uh, I don't uh, have an accident and she doesn't even uh, know about it. And uh, so today's Thursday, yesterday was Wednesday, uh, Tuesday was really calm, we motored almost the whole day, then Wednesday the wind started to pick up. On Tuesday we played with the cells, I uh, you know, I put up the big, um, how you call it, um, it's not a, it's not a spinnaker, cruising chute, yeah, the one that you can uh, doze off with a, with a bucket, kind of, it has a bucket that you pull up and lets the sail blow and then you pull down the bucket on the sail and uh, you have the sail, the, you take the wind out of the sail. So we played with that on uh, on Tuesday and uh, we managed to to make a decent progress and uh, despite the light winds, but that was only towards the afternoon. Then uh, yesterday the wind um, started to build up a little bit, so I took that one down in the middle of the night actually. And uh, I uh, put up again the rolling Genoa, the big Genoa. It was fine. Uh, but a little bit uh, shaky, you know, when the because the sail is big and uh, heavy, 
and the wind wasn't still strong enough it will shake you know the wind out of it and the main sail as well will take the shake because the wind by now it was almost behind us uh, and with about um, I don't know, 300 miles to go you kind of want to you know, stay on the course you don't want to zigzag around too much and then uh, yesterday the wind started to um, pick a bit of uh, force just above 10 uh, knots 12 knots so I decided to uh, take down the big Genoa and I put up a lighter Genoa uh, that keeps a better shape and at the same time uh, because it's a lighter sail in winds that are not too strong it still keeps a good shape and it's not banging around so since yesterday afternoon we've been sailing at around uh, five four and a half five five and a half knots uh, with one reef in the mainsail I know I sound very conservative but if I let the full mainsail out uh, it will lie against the uh, the shrouds that um, hold the mast and will uh, you know wear off the sail also because the swell it's about one and a half even two meters at times but definitely one and a half the rolling of the boat it's um, pretty heavy so the sail will not sit still against the shrouds it will shave will move up and down left and right and I'm pretty sure it won't take long before the sail will be uh, wrecked. So I decided to put uh, one uh, reef in the main sail. And this way uh, the sail is kind of lower and it's a little bit uh, away from the shrouds. It's still touching a little but not too much. And um, I feel that I preserve the sail better. I don't uh, destroy it. Also I have a preventer rigged. So. Uh, the boom doesn't move around too much so kind of keeps the sail not really stretched because it has a curvature but uh, it keeps the sail from flapping or flogging too much and last night the wind started to build up uh, this morning it was almost uh, 17 uh, knots uh, and we had moments when we would do like six and a half even seven knots of speed you have to keep in mind that the boat is fully loaded with uh, almost a full tank of diesel, uh, almost full tank of water and uh, a lot of our belongings that we need for the next two years so the boat is heavy like when it's in the water um, we are about two inches definitely one inch uh, above the waterline and the, actually the bow it's almost uh, goes in the water a bit more than uh, the stern and that's because I have um, a lot of stuff in the bow, in the vibers, uh, so it's a lot of weight in this part of the boat. How does it feel on the sea after um, what Sunday all day? Because I'm not going to count Saturday because it was only the late afternoon and evening. Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. That's the fifth day at sea. After about three days, you kind of uh, get used to it. Yesterday we uh, made banana bread, um, despite the rolling of the boat, and it was absolutely lovely. 
The weather is turning cold, the nights are very wet, it's not raining, but uh, there is a lot of condensation and actually everything that's exposed to the air gets damp, including the sail, like the drips, the sails are dripping, the deck is proper wet. Uh, and when I do my watch during the night, I uh, kind of lie on the bench with my head into the uh, shaded and uh, covered area of the cockpit. My, my, my legs are, uh, you know, exposed. And uh, I have a sleeping bag that kind of keeps me uh, warm. And that sleeping bag, bag uh, gets, I wouldn't say drenched, but gets really wet uh, during the night uh, because of this uh, condensation. Only last night the night was dry, and I suppose because of the stronger winds, I believe, I might be wrong. Um, and the night was colder as well, so somehow there wasn't... Um, the condensation didn't happen. But I couldn't sleep. Like in the other nights, I will set up my uh, alarm every 20 minutes. I will uh, wake up check the AIS, have a look around and then um, put my head down again on, on the bench in the cockpit and have another 15 minutes of uh, dozing. If the sail starts to shake, uh, the noise will wake me up and uh, have a look and correct the course if I had to. Uh, but uh, towards the morning, around 3 o'clock, I'll be so tired that uh, I would actually not uh, hear the alarm clock and uh, I, I remember that at some point I'd look at the uh, watch and it was like half past one and the next time I look at the watch it was uh, almost half past three so for two hours I was, I don't know, I slept or even if I woke up I don't remember looking at the watch, I just woke up, uh, uh, checked the uh, surroundings and then uh, fall back asleep. Uh, Probably it was because after, you know, I already had two nights of uh, of non-sleep, as I said before. Claudia was seasick and also she had the symptoms of, um, um, of a cold. So I was doing everything by myself. But, uh, you know, thanks God everything was fine. At some point, I think it was Tuesday night, when I woke up, that, you know, around half past three, I found myself <laughs> between two tankers. Uh, you know, nothing dangerous, but uh, like one tanker was to my port, let's say three miles or two, and the other tanker was to my starboard, another two or three miles, and I was basically, they were sailing down and I was sailing up. They were sailing towards Gibraltar, up the coast of Africa, and I was sailing down the coast of Africa, so uh, I suppose because their speed accumulated with my speed, we came into each other's range in less than... Uh, half an hour I'd say you know they usually move at 18 knots uh, probably we are moving at around four or five knots so put that together you get 22 knots from my uh, experience we cannot see further than about five knots out at sea of course the AS can see a lot further but I you know if when I looked around I didn't see them so uh, probably when I looked under the AS I didn't pay enough attention but no no drama Everything was fine. We had really nice dolphins coming along the boat. Big healthy specimens swimming. 
we had uh, two fly fish lying on, uh, you know, f getting on the deck. I managed to save one because I heard him uh, flapping on deck. The other one I just found it this morning, uh, but it was too late. It was dead already, unfortunately. And uh, today the sea is uh, pretty heavy. The swells, as I said, are close to two meters. Wind is pushing 15 to 17 knots. And uh, by my calculations, we'll arrive in Gran Canaria in La Las Palmas at around 1 o'clock at night. So we'll have to enter the port at night and find our way to the um, reception pontoon at night because I don't fancy spending another night on the sea and I don't fancy zigzagging along the, you know, in the ocean just to delay my uh, arrival uh, six or seven hours. I hope um, the sea behind the breakwater will be calm enough and uh, apparently the wind will be shadowed by uh, the big hill in front of the marina. I can't remember the name of the little um, um, hill. It's not an island, but you know, it's a peninsula. So I expect to have pretty calm uh, weather once behind the breakwater arriving at the marina and even if it's night with the aid of lights and uh, the chart plotter we should find uh, our entrance hopefully and uh, get in nice and safe. We'll find about that um, on the next recording. Now uh, I uh, kind of give my impressions on Rabat and as I said we when we went back to Rabat we just made the preparations that we needed to make in order to leave but I never talked about Morocco oh sorry about uh, Marrakesh uh, I, my last recording was from the Riyadh in Marrakesh but I uh, didn't have time to tell my feeling my impressions of the town the first feeling is that um, they are more aware of the tourists and uh, Wherever you go, everything is more geared towards the tourists, uh, including, of course, the Medina, the restaurants, the shops. We found uh, a nice uh, restaurant and, we, and clean and, you know, European-style food, maybe with a little twist, but nothing uh, very fancy, like including pizza and pasta and paninis and all of that. Uh, and we end up eating in that restaurant... Uh, three times. Uh, we stayed in Marrakesh for two nights, so we ate in that restaurant uh, a lunch, a quick dinner and another lunch, just because uh, we were sick of um, <laughs> experimenting and, uh, you know, David's tummy was a little bit upset, so we wanted to be safe and uh, eat a bit uh, more uh, food that he's more used to. I would just say that uh, the Medina and the shops are better, they seem to be better stocked than um, other places that, that even fares. So um, I think uh, Marrakesh is a place to go and shop if you want to shop for um, whatever you want to shop in Morocco. We even bought real saffron instead of the fake one that I learned I bought. Um, in Rassini. Uh, we also bought real argan oil instead of the fake argan oil that we bought in Fez. We bought an extra teapot, the best quality so far. 
that was the third teapot we bought in Morocco and uh, we bought it at a really good price this time and the best quality when compared to the others so after you know two weeks of uh, mandering the streets of Medinas in uh, Morocco we learned what is good and what is bad and uh, how to bargain for something um, but we were actually tired of bargaining in, in some situations we just paid the price we were asked for, for some things because we were just tired of uh, haggling and uh, going through the, the motion of uh, trying to squeeze a couple of uh, euro of the price of, uh, of something uh, we had lovely fresh uh, juices, fruit juices, uh, twice in the big market in, uh, in the big square in uh, Marrakesh. I, I can't remember the name of it, I don't want to say something stupid. At the same time, uh, we had you know the famous lunch in the, the same market at night, the same the famous dinner where the, you know the people the locals have big stores with different foods and you sit on a bench and they, they serve you um, food there is a trap here because you know they show you the prices and you see okay uh, a meal will cost uh, 75 dirhams or, or so but when you sit down they put in front of you the water the bread the side dishes and all of that and the price doubles easily if you are not uh, careful and um, food was okay but it wasn't fantastic it was it wasn't like something that we didn't uh, try before uh, but you know we did that the next night we ate um, so after the night we ate in the market David didn't want to touch the food so then we took him to the restaurant that I said we ate three times and uh, he had a pizza and uh, we had the tea and something else just to, you know to keep him company and uh, following night practically the last night in um, Marrakesh because David insisted so much we went to one of the I wouldn't call it posh restaurants but you know kind of expensive restaurants um, and uh, you know he ate pasta I can't remember what I ate we just ate normal food nothing uh, extraordinary um, but it was clean cooked uh, by European standards and uh, Theodora and David were very happy and you know I was happy to make them happy despite my desire to eat again with the locals one more time so briefly Morocco I definitely recommend anyone who hasn't been in uh, an African country I recommend to, to visit uh, Morocco you have to put up with a few things you need to understand that no matter how hard you try you will be treated as a tourist and part of being treated as a tourist is that they will try to sell you anything at any time of the day or night and uh, you will end up paying more than locals will pay for the same goods or services no matter how good you are at bargaining and um, you will probably get tired of all the hassle but by the end of the trip we got so good at, at ignoring the hustlers we just you now ignored them completely and you know, they would 
take two or three steps towards us and they will see that we don't even make eye contact and they will leave us alone and uh, you know in the beginning you coming from Europe you come with this belief that you know when somebody is approaching or engaging you or saying hi or asking you a question you need to answer and uh, you need to engage with them it's um, it's very unpolite to just uh, ignore them and walk away but this is how they approach you this is how they grab your attention and before you know it you are in their shop looking at stuff that you didn't even know you want to buy um, so the only strategy that we found is once you're happy that you know what you're doing just ignore or say one thing okay no no thanks and just move on but don't engage don't don't spend the extra second engaging they're really good people at selling stuff it's fun to buy from them but after two weeks we got tired of it apart from that apart from the medinas and the markets and all of that it's 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 a lovely country we we saw uh, the third biggest mosque in the in the world that was in in, in casablanca we stopped on our way from marrakesh to rabat we stopped in casablanca and that medina uh, sorry that uh, mosque was absolutely amazing it's been re recently built so it's not an old mosque it's been built i think in 19 uh, 1990s uh, i think it's uh, it has the tallest minaret in the world that 200 and some meters but am i might saying something stupid or maybe 200 and some feet uh, anyway, uh, we were allowed to go inside and visit the mosque. It was absolutely stunning, beautiful. And that was not the only place. We loved the mountains, we loved the medinas, we loved the people, we loved the interaction. We met a lot of nice people. Everybody was nice. Even the people who sold us fake items were really nice people. Even the people who sold us uh, things that overpriced uh, price yeah they were very nice people but that's their culture you know it's 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 in their blood to try and in their culture to try to sell whatever they are selling at the highest price possible and if they can sell you a fake because the original item is too expensive they will happily sell you a fake and make you believe that you bought the original thing it's because you are a tourist you just come and go and they need to make a living and uh, Morocco it's a beautiful country and I'd say it's quite it's a rich country as well but there are also poor people so they need to make a living and they do whatever they can to make a living uh, when I say Morocco it's a beautiful country and it's a uh, rich what I mean by that it's like if you don't go into the old parts of the cities in the Medinas and all of that and you just stay in the residential areas you could believe that you are in any other city small city in the world like if you remove the arabic signs and you just leave the streets as they are and okay replace the palm trees with other trees you might think you are in uh, france or even with the palm trees you might think you are in spain there is nothing but good roads civilized people well-dressed people uh, you know but at the same time you have the the lower class or the lower middle class which uh, have less income live in not so good conditions and we went to morocco to see the original morocco the old morocco so inevitably we had to come across um, some 
not so pleasant experiences, but it doesn't matter. We we had a good time. Um, as I said, we are tired of it, but we had a good time in the end. We had some not so nice experiences. I wouldn't say not nice, sour. You know, like when you realize that you overpaid for something, or you see the man in front of you buying the bread for two dirhams, and you ask three dirhams or four dirhams for the same piece of bread. You kind of know you you don't feel comfortable. <laughs> But uh, if you are willing to accept this, you will have a great time in Morocco and I recommend it highly to, to be on your uh, list of visiting places. So that's for now. That's recording number 23rd. We are going to be in Gran Canaria for hopefully for five days or so. Hopefully we'll find a place in the marina. Usually, at this time of the year, they don't accept you in the marina because the ARC, the transatlantic uh, rally for cruisers, begins and uh, a lot of the places are pre-booked by the organizers. So, uh, you might not, we might not have a place in um, Las Palmas. But we are arriving at night tonight and hopefully uh, the staff will be kind and give us a place for a few days. You're not going to stay in here until the middle of November when the ARC starts. So somehow I hope we'll find a place. And the plan is to visit Gran Canaria, then to visit Tenerife, then to visit the island of Palma and the island of El Hierro, if I pronounce the names right. And we are planning to stay in uh, Canary Islands for about three weeks. And after that we'll head to Cap Verde, which will be another 750 nautical miles crossing. This crossing that we're doing right now, it's about 600 miles. It's the biggest we ever did. And uh, we had some fears, like right now the electric um, bilge pump is not working. It did work the first two days, but uh, when I checked last time, it didn't work. So that's a reason to worry, because if we get water in the boat, I have to hunt pump it out of the boat. Uh, but you know, boat is sound, it's moving well, it's strong. And um, I hope you arrive well and we find a place in Gran Canaria and I'll be able to make the new recording in about three or four days once we settle and I'll have something new to record about Gran Canaria. All the best. <laughs>